Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we continue our 10-week journey called The Red Sea Rules, based on the book by Robert J. Morgan, where we will be looking at 10 different rules that we can apply to our lives. In this book, we find that even in the midst of seemingly impossible situations, God can make a way that will move us from fear to faith. In week four, Pastor Eric unpacks our next big rule, pray. What we're going to do today is look at that phrase, they cried out to the Lord, and we're going to unpack that. What did that mean for God's people way back in the day? And what does that unique phrase mean for us today? And it does have a very specific and powerful meaning for us as we move through life. And so we're going to figure that out this morning. Before we do that, though, I'd like to invite you just to pray with me. Father, we step into your presence now, and we're so thankful for today and for this opportunity that we have just to get low before you and to humble ourselves and to look into your word and this amazing story that we find in Exodus chapter 14 and pull out some different rules that really apply to us and how we can live today and how we can have victory and hope for everything that we face. God, I just pray that as we move through this time now that you'd help our hearts to be open, help us to be really awake to everything and anything that you want to say to us, God. Help us to then be ready as we walk out of here in just a bit to be obedient to you and so willing, so willing to implement whatever it is that you whisper into our hearts. God, there's a very unique phrase that we're looking at today about how your people many years ago cried out to you. We're going to take a look at that word cried and what does it mean and how does that apply to us today? So again, God, help us to listen and be ready to do whatever it is that you ask of us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's our big rule for today. It's one word. Ready? It's the word pray. That's the one word and that is our big rule for today. I'd encourage you to write that down. It is the word pray. Let me ask you this question. How do you respond to tough situations in life? And maybe a better way to phrase that would be, how do you tend to respond to tough situations in life? Because how you actually respond and how you think you might respond are probably two different things. So how do you tend to respond to tough situations in life? And a tough situation might be something devastating that invades you and your life. Something that just brings a lot of pain. Could be something devastating like that. Or it could just be added stress because of different things that are going on around you. It's not a devastating, painful thing. But there's just more stress there that makes you feel a bit uncomfortable. It's kind of just a tough situation. So how would you answer that? How do you tend to respond to tough situations? 
As you're thinking about that, there's probably some different words that are coming to mind. I want to simplify the answer to that and say we generally respond in probably one of four ways. We panic, meaning I'm about to lose my mind because I'm out of control here and I am just in a panic mode right now. We panic or perhaps we pause, meaning we just kind of step back from everything and we ignore the tough situation in front of us in hopes that maybe it will just all go away. We pause. Or maybe we plan. And here's something that's happened to me, and I'm not so happy about it. It's painful, or there's a lot of stress that has entered into my life, and so I'm going to begin to plan my way out of this. Or do we pray? Panic? Pause, plan, or pray. How would you say that you tend to respond to tough situations that invade your life? Here's what I tend to do. I tend to panic. And not the I'm losing my mind kind of panic, but I'm not so sure about what I should be doing, and I'm just concerned about this stress or this pain in my life. And so I'm going to panic for a bit, which then leads into planning And here's how I'm going to get my way out of this. Here's who I need to call. And here's the two to three next steps that I need to implement. And I'm going to run with my plan. And then it's like, oh, maybe I should pray about this as well. Maybe I should factor that into the equation after the panicking and after all of the planning and the implementing the plan. Maybe I should also pray. But it's an afterthought Instead of running the process from beginning to end, it's kind of just an add-on. Does anybody else do this? Panic, pause, plan, or pray. Here's what I've discovered about prayer. And I'm just going to be real honest and open with you guys about some of the challenges that I face with this particular area in hopes that it helps you. So here's what I've discovered about prayer in my own life. I find that I tend to use it like a spare tire, right? We all have a spare tire that hangs out in the trunk or somewhere on the vehicle. As a matter of fact, I don't even know where the spare tires are on my cars because I haven't had to use them yet, but I like the fact that they're there, right? Because we all know that when we're stuck on the side of the road, at some point we're going to have to find that spare tire and we're going to like the tire. We're going to be happy with that tire because it's going to get us to our final destination. But we never really think about it that much or we're not really that concerned about the spare tire until we need it when we're stuck on the side of the road. And often this is how I find myself using prayer. When I'm stuck, when I'm hurt, when I'm in pain, or there's added stress, all of a sudden, I need to open up the trunk and pull out this emergency thing called prayer. But often, it's in those spots that I do that and not before. So that's one of the things I've discovered about prayer is that I tend to use it like a spare tire. Maybe you do the same. Here's what else I've discovered about prayer. It's really hard work. If you want it to work, it's really hard work. 
And when you think about prayer, it seems like it should be this easy thing. We just talk to God and we can do it anywhere and at any time. And it just seems like it should be simple and it should just flow. But that really doesn't happen for me. Maybe that doesn't happen for you either. It is hard work if you want it to work. And that's not necessarily encouraging news, but I'm going to come back in a few moments and share with you something that I've discovered that helps me personally, and I believe it will help you as well. So, our story. We're on this journey throughout the summer of looking at God's people and their adventure to freedom, their journey, their walk across the desert to the Red Sea. And we've talked about how for 400 years, all that they've really known is slavery to the Egyptian empire. And so generation after generation after generation is born and then goes away, and all they really know is slavery. It's the only stories they can tell because that's all that they've known. But God was working providentially behind the scenes, and he allowed his people to walk out in freedom. And last week we read how as they walked, they shook their fists in defiance at Egypt, kind of a funny little thought there. And they're on their way to freedom. They make their way to the edge of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his officials realize that we've just lost our entire workforce. And we're building this amazing empire, and we're going to need their help. And so let's go and bring the slaves back. And so Pharaoh assembles his army, which was the most powerful fighting force in the world at that time, and they begin to chase God's people. All of a sudden, God's people look up, and they're trapped. They're stuck between the sea and the sword, and they're kind of out of options. It's a tough spot. We could say that. And maybe you find yourself in that kind of spot today. As you've walked into the room, there are things happening in your life, in your world, that maybe other people know about, or maybe it's just your own little internal struggle, but you're down, there's either pain there, or there's stress, and you're trying to figure out what you should do next, and our big idea today, our big rule says, pray, it's just one word, but let's pray, and let's think about this. And to help us with that, I want to zero in on verse 10 of Exodus chapter 14. It's already been read to us, but here's what it says. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, and they cried out to the Lord. Not a good day, right? You can shake your head at that, yeah, because it's really not a good day. I mean, you're finally free. After 400 years of slavery, they're finally free, and now they find themselves stuck between the sea and the sword, and this is not a good situation. And what did they do? Well, the people of Israel looked up, and they panicked. And the idea of the word panicked there is that they were extremely frightened. They were terrified. And so they've got these few moments of freedom where they're laughing and crying and thinking about this great future that God has in store for them. And all of a sudden, here comes Pharaoh, and they're trapped, and they are panicky. They are extremely frightened and terrified when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, and they cried out to the Lord. There's our phrase. You see that word cried? You see that there? It's an interesting word here that means to cry out loudly 
in grief. So this is not a casual cry of, hey, God, we're kind of in a tough spot here, and we're not very happy. We'd like to get to the other side of the Red Sea so that we can enjoy our freedom. Can you do something about this? This is much more intense than that. I mean, these are people who are terrified and frightened for their lives, and now they begin to lift up these cries, saying, God, can you please deliver us? It's interesting because there's three different Hebrew words that are used for cry or crying in Scripture. The first word is a cry for daily help. And we find this first used in the book of Genesis where people realized that they needed God's help and they weren't really in trouble. They weren't really having problems. They just realized we need a bit of God's help here. And so they cried out to God for that daily kind of help. The second cry is a cry for mercy. And this is a little more intense than the cry for daily help. This is people, and generally it's a group of people who are lifting up their voices and they're saying, God, we need you. We need your mercy. Here's what we've done. Here's what's happened. Here's the trouble that we're in. And we are now crying out for mercy. It's a little more intense. The third cry that we see in Scripture is a cry for deliverance, and this is the most intense cry. It's actually a plea for help and a plea for rescuing. And it is even more intense and more ramped up than the cry for mercy. So there's the cry for daily help, which is a general cry. There's a cry for mercy, which is a little more intense And then we have a group of people who are absolutely terrified and frightened, and they are crying out for deliverance. This is an extreme cry for help. And that's the word that we find here in verse 10 of Exodus chapter 14. This cry is not coming from two or three overreactors who are a little concerned about the sea and Pharaoh over here, and, hey, I'm a little worried about the situation. This is coming from millions of people who are panicked and frightened and terrified. And they're lifting up their voices. And they're crying, crying for deliverance as they find themselves in this tough spot. Imagine the sound of that for a moment. Imagine the noise. Millions of people realizing that they are in a lot of trouble and the only person who can help is God. And that's this cry of deliverance. I think there's some different things that we learn from these cries, these cries for daily help, cries for mercy, and cries for deliverance. And here's what we discover. God longs. I think this is so true, and I'd encourage you to think about this for a second. God longs for his people to need him. See, God's not really into self-sufficiency. We are, aren't we? I know that I am. I'm all about that. And how can I survive? And how can I plan my way through everything and anything? But God's not really into that. God longs for his people to want him and to need him. God longs for us to run to him God longs for us to bring our cries to him. God longs for us 
Would you just let that kind of penetrate your mind for a moment? God longs for us. He longs for us to talk to him. He longs for us to walk with him. He longs for us to bring our cries of daily help and mercy and deliverance straight to him. God longs for you. God longs for me. And he's okay. He's not bothered. He's not tipped over. He's not frightened by our cries for daily help, our cries for mercy, or our cries for deliverance. God's okay. He's okay with our earnest cries. So dads and moms, God's okay with your earnest cries for your families. And whatever might be going on there and whatever is happening, God is okay with that desperate cry, whatever that looks like for you. Students, God's okay with your earnest cries. And when you're confused and frustrated and don't quite understand what might be happening in your life, God's okay with those earnest cries. Businesswoman, businessman, whatever you face in that environment, no matter how terrible it is or how wonderful it is, God's okay with your earnest cries. See, God is good when we earnestly come to him because he longs for us to want him. Earnest cries. By the way, that word earnest means seriously important. So when you've got something that's seriously important to you, God's good with that. He's good with you taking that important thing that's really serious to you that might be causing pain or stress. God's good with those earnest cries. And this is actually the pattern of what we see in Scripture. People time after time after time just coming into the presence of God and saying, God, here's my earnest cry. Here's what I need, here's what I want, here's what's happening in my life. I want to read some of these examples to you because they're powerful. In Job chapter 8, Job says, If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, surely now He would awake for you. In Mark chapter 5, we've got a guy named Jairus and his daughter was sick and he's talking to Jesus here and he begged him, earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her. In Luke chapter 7, it says, when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly. Luke 22, and being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly. That's kind of a shocker to me. See, because what we find here is that even Jesus took time to pray. I mean, think about that. Consider that for a minute. He's actually God. He is the creator. He is the inventor, but yet he's praying, and he's praying earnestly. And so if Jesus thought it necessary to take time to pray, what about the rest of us? And when's the last time we took an earnest prayer to our Father? Jesus did that. It says that right here in Luke chapter 22. Colossians 4, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And then James chapter 5 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. See, God is not afraid for us to earnestly come to him 
and bring our cries of deliverance, those earnest, heartfelt, panicky cries, right into his presence. He's okay with that, and we can do it. So here's our one takeaway today, and that is pray for the desperate. If you're here, pray earnestly for the life is good crowd. Still, pray earnestly for the students in the room. Pray earnestly because this is not just an old person's thing or an adult thing. Some of the greatest prayers in scripture are recorded by teenagers. And so your church needs you praying and your family needs you praying and your school needs you praying. So students, pray earnestly. Singles, pray earnestly. Retirees, pray earnestly. And here's why. Because God is good with all of that. He is good with our cries for deliverance and we can take all of that stuff and leave it right with him. He actually wants us to do that. He's very capable. It's hard work. If we want it to work though. And so I want to share with you something that I've started to do recently that has really helped my attention in this area. And so if you've checked out for the last few minutes, I want you to check back in because I think this might actually help you. So here's what I've done recently to help me just pray earnestly. I started a journal, and I took out a pen. Remember those? Yeah, I took that out, and I just started to write some things down on different days that I wanted to pray for. Now, this whole thing isn't my prayer journal. There's other stuff in here. But I just kind of took Monday through Friday, and I divided it up into four different categories where I pray for family I pray for friends, both friends here at Valley Point and friends that I'm inviting here. I pray for different things that are happening in our community. And then I pray specifically for Valley Point Church. And on different days, I've got different things written down. And I got to tell you, this is really helping me focus and pray earnestly and give my cries for daily help and mercy and deliverance all to God in these different areas. Now, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not. I don't want you to think that because I still struggle with thinking about prayer as the whole spare tire thing, but this has helped. Have you ever wanted to pray and you get a little distracted? Like you want to pray for your family and, oh, there's a bird. You know, like we do this, don't we? I know I do. Well, guess what helps with that? Distraction. Yeah, when you have stuff written down, or on your smart device, wherever you want to put that. I think that's the key. You get it down and you look at it and you can just concentrate. Have you ever started to pray and you kind of fall asleep? I do. And this helps. Have you ever started to pray? You don't actually know what to pray for. You're just not sure. Well, this helps. And I would encourage everybody to think about how we can do this and how you can implement that in your own life so that you have the opportunity to bring your cries. Whatever category, whatever box they fit in, whether it's a cry for daily help or a cry for mercy or a cry for deliverance, whatever that cry is, you can think through that and earnestly give that back to God. And just know that anytime, any place, God's ready for us to talk with him. And by the way, that's all prayer is simply conversing with God, just like what we would have a conversation would be. 
It's talking with God. And he's ready for us to do that. He longs for us to want him in that way. I didn't read everything here in our paragraph for today, but I want to go back to verse 11 because there's something interesting that happens after God's people, they give up this cry. Like, we're desperate. (laughs) We're panicking. We're terrified here. And they cry out to the Lord. And then in the very next moment, here's what happens. They said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And I believe at this point, Moses is saying, what's happening here? I mean, you people are losing it. Just a few sentences ago, they're leaving Egypt in great joy and they're shaking their fists in defiance. And now you're saying, hey, it would have been better to stay there because there's more graves there and we could die there and be buried instead of dying out here. And I think that is recorded for us to help us know that God is willing to hear our cries of deliverance even when we don't believe them. So I think that's what's happening here. I think the people are crying out to God in desperation here in verse 10 because they're terrified and they're frightened. But I think deep down inside, they didn't believe God was going to do anything for them. And they're that frustrated, that disappointed, that aggravated with what was happening in their life at that point that they really didn't think God was going to come through. And so they offer up this prayer of deliverance, but then they turn around and yell at Moses And I think that's there to help us know when we're ready to give that cry of deliverance, like we're terrified and frightened. And even in that moment, when we don't think God is going to come through, and we don't sense that God hears or he's interested or he's going to do anything at all, in that moment of doubt, God is good. He's still good with our cry for deliverance. And so we can take that to him and we can leave it at his feet even when there's extreme doubt, because that's exactly what they had. So I think sometimes we think our prayers have to be these perfectly worded, pretty poems, and often that's what we see sometimes. That's not what's happening here. I mean, they are crying, they are screaming, it was a loud noise, and then they're turning around and yelling at their leader. I mean, this is not a good moment for them as a nation. They have a lot of doubt. And the point is, take your cries, whatever that looks like. And even when you doubt, take that cry. Make it real. Because God is even good with our cries of unbelief. He can handle it. We've spent some time this morning thinking about this big rule. And when we find ourselves trapped or stuck, and for many of you, you may be in that spot right now. Some of you aren't, and and that's great. I hope you're enjoying where God has you right now. Just know that that moment is probably coming at some point again where you will be stuck between the sea and the sword. One of the things we learn from watching God's people walk through this is let's pray. 
Let's do that, okay? And let's not be afraid to bring our cries, whether it's a cry for daily help or a more intense cry of mercy or the most intense prayer of deliverance when we're scared out of our mind and when we doubt, let's not be afraid to take all of that into the presence of God and talk with him and pray. So we're going to do more this morning than just talk about praying. We're going to actually do that, and I'm going to give you time and space to say some things out loud in the Lord's Prayer and also time for you to just pray silently right at your seat and just invite God into this place and into this moment and take whatever cry might be happening on the inside of you and earnestly, earnestly, seriously take that thing and give it to God. And so would you please say with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And God, we lift this up to you now. In this place, in these moments, and we ask for your help now as we walk through a guided time of prayer. God, help us to focus and just really be willing to open up our hearts to everything and anything that you want to say to us and help us to be very willing to take our cries and also give them to you. Our cries for daily help, our cries for mercy, and our cries for deliverance. God, we see an amazing story in Scripture where a great group of people, your people, your special people, they got trapped, kind of caught between the sea on one side and Pharaoh's army on the other side, and they needed you to do something that only you could do. And so they gave up these cries of deliverance and God, they really didn't believe, I don't think, that you were going to do anything because then they turned around right after that prayer, right after that cry, and then began to yell at their leader. God, wherever we're at today, help us to be willing to think through our levels of confidence in you or our levels of doubt. And wherever we're at on that journey, help us to still be willing to pray pray. And God, we just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9, 15, and 11 a.m. 